0: You are listening to the She Speaks Podcast. The She Speaks Podcast is here to normalize our experiences in life and business by sharing our stories of rising from the proverbial ashes of our real-life trials and tribulations. When we share our experiences, we give others permission to keep putting one foot in front of the other, remember to breathe, and to never, ever keep the power of our promising futures on the table. Tune in weekly for fresh new content that will inspire you to share your story, too. Hi, I'm Nadine Robinson. I was a midwife for almost 20 years. I'm a mother, I'm a grandmother, and I'm a wild medicine woman. And I want to talk to you about how passionate and in in love I was with the profession of midwifery and my journey into burning out and the terror of thinking that I would never find something that lit me on fire again. So we'll have to start way back to me. Here I am, Nadine, as a young teenage high school dropout mother. (laughs) That's right. I was unhappy at home. My poor parents, boy, they tried. Uh, They tried to help me. Um, But I really felt like I needed to get out of the house. And uh, I brought home some pamphlets to go to boarding school. Uh, I thought I was quite clever and courageous for doing that, going to the school guidance counselor and bringing those home. But my parents said no. And so in classic Nadine, 17-year-old problem solving, I decided to get pregnant because obviously um, my very Roman Catholic and religious family would support me getting married and moving off into the world. So uh, my high school sweetheart and I, we got married. Both of our families were supportive. Um, He was going to university and I had a few babies. And in that blissful place of youth, I just didn't care. I wasn't worried about my life. I wasn't worried about the future. And I just was bopping along, taking care of my two little girls. I had a girlfriend at the time who was a single mom and pregnant and wanted me to attend her birth. And I was like, sure, I'll come with you to your birth. And in the course of our conversations, she dropped a word that I don't know that I'd ever heard of. She said midwifery. And I was like, Mid, midwifery? What, wait, What is this? And uh, we taught, started talking about midwifery and midwife is a beautiful word that means with woman and so um my fires were lit and so i of course at this time it's like sort of 1993 1994 I'm trying to find information. Um, there is a, a textbook that you can get on nurse midwifery by Helen Varney. I would routinely put my name on the wait list and, and take that book out. Um, I'd had a uh, two births, obviously. I'd had a normal birth with our daughter who I was with a family physician. And then my second birth was with an obstetrician. And in between there, I'd had a fetal demise at 18 weeks. And it was a complex fetal demise and then lots of follow-up. So I was really intrigued by this and um, just started lapping up everything I could and seeking it out. And so I was like, what is this? And it resonated, midwifery resonated so fiercely with the things that I hated about the way women were treated. You know, I hated the misogyny. I hated the exploitation. I hated that we were paid less. I hated that we were just objects for other people's pleasure. And so it really lit that fire in me of that sort of justice, you know, like this is actually the thing where women get to take back the power of women in our own space and in our own way. And that becomes a real beautiful offering in the world. So we've moved to Calgary, uh, I've, I'm still curious about midwifery. I find a beautiful midwifery study group uh, of women because there's no education. They're just starting an education program for midwifery in Ontario, but there's nothing else across Canada at this point. So we're working hard to study, we're meeting regularly to talk about midwifery and complex things, and a few of us decide to notch it up the next level. And we find a distance learning, I'm going to say it, correspondence school out of the United States that we can do our midwifery education. Now, we are talking old school. They are photocopying the lessons and the handouts and putting them in a manila folder and mailing them to us. We're filling out the the information, doing our homework, having a study group once a week, uh, every Friday and mailing our assignments back. So there's a group about four or five of us that were doing this. All of us homeschooled our kids. We used to get together once a week on a Friday morning. The kids would play and we would pay the eldest kids and they call it morning camp. And us mamas went to work. We were lit up and on fire. And we would find other midwives that would come in and teach us about how to do a physical exam. How do you do Leopold's maneuvers, right? How do you do vaginal exams? You cannot get midwifery training through correspondence. So we had this huge gap that we worked really hard to fill. And of course, finally, it came to the point where I needed actual mentors that were nearby that I could be attending births with. And things were starting to shift in the midwifery landscape. So there was a group of midwives that had been very dedicated through the nursing profession and that how they'd come to midwifery. And then there was another group of midwives that were really dedicated to more of a home birth grassroots kind of program. And we, they, you know, they'd come together, they'd done good work, they were trying to find the common ground and how they show up in the world. But when I started looking for someone to take me and teach me as an apprentice, no one would take me. I was devastated. But I finally found some midwives that would do it in central Alberta. They're like, we will take you so we were traveling all through central Alberta you name an outback tiny town farmland in the middle of nowhere we were catching babies we were going we were catching babies I was treated as a true member of the team and it was just stunning so I was getting all my actual practical skills in place as well as all the clinical um, and epidemiological knowledge that I needed and I was building this practice and so I'd had a third baby she was born with midwives, and then a fourth baby underwater with midwives. And this was it. And so I was on fire. I had four little kids. I basically put myself through midwifery school. Uh, I was homeschooling. My then husband was working sometimes in the city and sometimes out of town. But we were managing to juggle all this. And I was happy. I loved my job. I just loved it. And to this day, I look back and I think, how did I do it? (laughs) I'm not really sure, but I was just juggling it all. And so midwifery at this point in Alberta was still not funded by the government. So the midwives were regulated as a health profession, but families who wanted our care were paying us out of pocket. So you knew that if people were choosing midwifery, this was a real important part of their life. It was a lifestyle choice for many people that was in line with their core values. And so we really had these beautiful, intimate relationships with families and really got to serve them um, in a way that was just so powerful for me. Part of me now also realizes how much I loved being a rebel, I loved being considered on the outskirts. I loved being on the fringe. I loved doing something that was sort of like sticking it to the man, right? And it, I think all of those things just contributed these deep relationships with other midwives and my peers, the relationships that I was able to have with my family, um, the bliss I felt of being, of being able to mother and parent in a way that I felt really good about. I just, I was unstoppable. And I I just loved that part of my life. And I thought this is like the best thing ever. So here I was a young, you know, a young woman, a young mom, you know, I'm not even 30, practicing midwifery all over, having a great time. Um, And I was like, yes, this is it. I, I I get to live the life of my dreams. Like this is like a true passion. So let's fast forward a few more years. Now midwifery is not only regulated, but it's funded. So we now have funding from the government. And this is something that midwives and we've been lobbying for for years, because of course, there's a huge gap of the women and families we can serve, if it's all about the money. So it was just thrilling when funding came into place. Um, And with funding, we had all the hospital privileges, our scope was expanding, you know, there was so much great stuff that was happening. I had since remarried, I always tell people third time's the charm, and uh, was so Michael and I had married, uh, we were blending our families, that was really hard and really complex, so we had these seven children with different, you know, schedules and combinations and people, you know, being at our home and then at their other parents' home. We were homeschooling some kids, some kids weren't, and it was complicated And I think that's really when things started to go off the rails for me. And I didn't notice it really at the time, but my pleasure of midwifery was becoming less. And I remember just thinking, what the hell is wrong with you, Nadine? Like, get your shit together. Because I knew I could feel that fire in my belly, you know, I could, I remembered what it felt like. And I'm like, but I can't really feel it anymore. I was happier than I'd ever been. Michael and I had bought our, our home together. Um, <clears throat> we had just bought, a year later, we bought a, another home, uh, a little vacation cottage, and I there was no external reason for me to be unhappy. and it was interesting because Michael and I he was running a business. <clears throat> I was doing a midwifery practice. we had all the kids, and we were all juggling these pieces. And Michael and I don't fight. but boy did we fight about midwifery on-call, off-call, who would be home to, be, to see the kids, who wouldn't, you know, all of these things. And uh, I just remember sitting back and trying to get some perspective and couldn't figure it out. And so we struggled and we limped along and, you know, the kids were growing up and, you know, coming and going from the house. And this just kept, I just kept feeling less and less satisfaction. And I just remember trying so hard to hold on to that that burn in my belly, that pit in the belly when I was unstoppable. I just couldn't find it. So we ended up, me and two other midwives ended up leaving the practice we were at. We started a new practice. We had 10 midwives. So not only now do I have a blended family, Michael and I are working out the on-call thing. He is owning his own business. I'm working, usually midwives go on call about 50% of their lives to cover proper care and cover the pager, any needs that are arising when you're on call. I now was running a midwifery practice. So I needed staff, clinic space, office supplies, medical supplies, forms, health privacy issues, reconciliation, you know, managing monies from Alberta Health Services. And so I just kept layering it on thinking, I am the woman who can do it all. I am the woman who can do it all. Get it together, Nadine. And I started thinking, well, it must be me, right? I'd look around, and I could feel this sort of slow ebb of my life force, and I just couldn't get it going. But I'd look around, and I'd see other midwives who were successful and happy. I wasn't busier than any other midwife. I wasn't, um, you know, didn't have more going on than any other midwife. I didn't have more problems than any any other midwife. So I thought it must be me not taking care of myself. Okay, I'll start exercising more. Okay, well, um, I'll eat better. Okay, that's great. Good, good. Okay, so, uh, okay, midwives obviously don't drink when they're on call. Maybe I'll try and drink less when I'm off call, you know, and have a bottle of wine one night with Michael. Well, maybe I won't do that. So I was just looking around, frantically trying to manage the things that I felt were in my control so that I could actually find that fire in that flame. And then I got sick. And I got really sick. I had horrible digestive upsets, Um, I couldn't eat anything. I had persistent nausea. I was having bladder problems. i had gone to my naturopath. It had a bunch of lab work. Um, I was completely bloated and yet I was, couldn't eat a thing. So I'd gone to completely juicing and it was just a horror. And I thought, what is wrong with me? And I finally decided that I should take a year off as a sabbatical. So I let my partners know, I'm not going to do call for this next coming year. We had lots of time to plan it. It's no big deal. Um, And I let them know, yeah, that's good. And I remember being at one of the final births that I attended before I went off. And Michael had to bring me a whole bunch of juices that he would made from home because I hadn't eaten for probably two days. And I remember thinking, this is ridiculous. What am I doing? So I knew it was the right choice. I thought, this is great. I'll take the sabbatical. I'll take the year off, just run the the business with my other two practice partners and just find that spark and get going. And about six months in, I started to just get the dreads. I was terrified. I thought, how can I possibly go back on call? And I started to dissect why I was so unhappy. And I realized, you know, yes, do midwives provide incredible care in the hospital and can serve way more women when they're working there? They sure can. But that did not light my fire. And I was realizing it was so insidious that I didn't even realize how slowly my what I been what I was passionate about was being worn away. And that wasn't anybody's fault. You know it wasn't the, it wasn't the regulatory body's fault. It wasn't you know the hospital's fault. It wasn't the profession of midwifery. It just wasn't me anymore. It didn't fit. And so I really started to panic and think, What am I going to do if I'm not a midwife? I've basically been working with, studying with, attending birth, been a guardian of birth, been part of the support of that creative pathway between that liminal space, between that spirit place and the physical. You know, I'm holding this incredible space and I'm witnessing and getting to love and support families at at some of the most incredible, life-changing moments of their lives what the hell am I? My kids were growing up, they were moving out. I was now, we were now grandparents, one of our daughters had had a baby. Um, I had lots to live for, but I, and lots that I was excited about, and passionate about, I love to travel, I love to cook, I loved to um, hang out with the family, and I just couldn't couldn't see my life. So I knew then that I actually couldn't go back to midwifery, I wasn't doing anybody a favor, and I certainly wasn't doing myself a favor. So I sold my shares and my, to my mid, other midwife partners and didn't go back. And then I collapsed. And it, I would maybe call it the dark night of the soul. I couldn't figure out who I was. If I had any identity. Here I'd done all this incredible work that felt so potently meaningful. And I remember getting up in the morning and just being like, I look back and I think, how did I do that? And I think it's because I knew that the work I did mattered. And as it slowly mattered less and less to me because it felt less aligned with what I really believed about life, about spirituality, about family, about the power of women, the power of birth. And I, that just ebbed away. And I thought, well, what is this? And I grieved. I wept. I wrote music. I wrote poetry. And I didn't need to work. I didn't need to worry about money. I had this all this spaciousness. Because Michael was earning enough money in his business, but I just thought, well, maybe I'm lucky. Maybe most people aren't are just lucky if they get a a job and a career like that that just sets them so on fire. And then, but I I couldn't accept that. I just there was something in me that so resisted that, which I think is what was contributing to my dark depression. Because I realized I thought this this can't be life. This cannot be it. I am meant to do something that's special. And I'm not going to change the world, but I can sure do something good in the little community that I get to affect. And what is that going to be? And I thought, but what am I going to do? Catching babies is not a transferable skill. (laughs) So I read this book called The Soul Midwife's Handbook by Felicity Warner then soul midwifery is basically like death midwifery. You're ushering and a guardian space of the soul as they transition from that space of life to death. I read the book cover to cover in probably two hours. I was just stunning. I was like, this is me. I was weeping with joy. And then I collapsed on the floor in agony. People don't die between nine and five. I'm like, oh, great. Good job, Nadine. It's the exact same work. But that book was a light switch moment for me because it made me realize that my skills are transferable. Mentorship, sort of guiding people in relationships, women's sexual health, you know, guardian space, spirituality, right? These soft healing tools that I used, whether it was herbs or acupressure, aromatherapy, you know, energy medicine. I was, I was like, oh my gosh, why has I not woken myself back up to all the things that I loved about my early midwifery career? Because that's what I loved. And so I started Peace Healing Wellness. And I, it's been such a journey. It's been incredible. And it's been an, a real surrendering because I realized all the ways that I was attached to my identity, to my, to my role, to my, to my um, you know, who I was in my own mind. And when I surrendered to the, the beauty and the brilliance of the gifts I've been given this lifetime, it was so powerful. And of course, midwifery is no different than the work I do now, right? In midwifery, we know that the woman or birthing person is the expert in their care. Very simple. You provide the information, you give it as clearly and concisely as you can, and you know that that person will make the best decision for them. Now I get to do that in my practice. So whether it's relationships, soul wounds, karma, people trying to find their passion and their brilliance within themselves, whatever that is, I give them the information, I give them the tools, and they go make the best decision for themselves. So that's all I do. And that's all I've ever done. And the truth is, is that's what I'm good at. So I was blessed to really refine that flame and refine that passion. And I get to serve in this incredible way. So thanks for having me. And I hope you feel inspired to remember that what you do matters. And you too are, are really important to the community around you and can find that beautiful sweet spot with all your skills no matter what it looks like. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Thank you for tuning in to the She Speaks podcast. If you like this episode, please be sure to send us a five-star rating and review on iTunes to help us reach more listeners. For more information on our publishing services, please visit us at www.gcwpublishing.com.